0: Yes, hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, where we take sport seriously, well, sometimes. It's Paul Roach with you here as always, and it's a big welcome to some very good friends and colleagues in Simon Johnson. G'day, Jono.
1: G'day, Roachie. Festive greetings to you.
0: Indeed, indeed. And uh, Stephen Riley. G'day, Riles. Hey, Paul. Hey, Simon. Hey, everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks all for stopping by. Uh, ahead in the show, uh, look, there's a lot going on in the world of football, both here and abroad. There's notable developments in golf, if if that's possible, Jono, and rugby also as well. Some notable developments there, and of course, we'll wrap up the show with red card, yellow card. Now, if you're just tuning into the show for the first time, red card, yellow card is where we poke fun at sports people. Uh, who've erred off the field of play who've done something they would rather we forget but it's our job to drag it back into the spotlight use the hashtag rcyc on your favorite socials if you see one and we can pick that up and potentially use it on the show as to the social media channels we are on twitter at for and against f-o-r-a-n-d against on insta for dot and dot against and look they're the main ones so let's just get into the show Let's start with football. Uh, I think we led with football last show, actually, but there's plenty more to cover. Starting with the the good year that F- uh, Football Australia has had in FY F- Uh Now, so while not quite as good as the 132 million dollar revenue it achieved in FY 2018, well, that was before the A League split. You see, so the 113 mil attained in this financial year was. Uh, was nevertheless up nearly 50% on the uh, previous corresponding period, as the accountants say, a.k.a. last year. Uh, so what contributed to that that uplift? Well, sponsorship. Subway came on board. With, I think it was a 10-year deal. I don't want to argue with that. I think it's a 10-year deal. And that's worth 20 mil. And that's a big lift of almost 50% on a previous deal, the previous deal. And, of course, the Socceroos, they had a good World Cup. They did. Yeah, Late in 2022, yeah, they made the round of 16 before the Argies got away with a lucky 2-1 win in the first of the knockout round. So we we uh, we won $19 million. Oh, this is all in Aussie. $90 million as a consequence of uh, of making that's not not bad money for not bad. stumbling out of your group.
1: I love it when you talk balance sheets, Richie, oh, really getting deep into those great, numbers. That was superb.
0: fantastic. Uh, and broadcast revenue chipped in 11 mil, which was down a bit, although we'll come back to uh, to broadcast a little later maybe. Uh, I did also see in the AFR that uh, CEO James Johnson told us that Matilda's merchandise sold out in – sorry, the amount of Matilda's merchandise that was sold in the first quarter of this financial year, so not the last one. i have just given you the numbers on. Are you with me, Jonathan?. I'm no, with the you. Sheets yeah, yeah. So the Matilda's merch that's already sold in this first quarter has already surpassed the entirety of last year's well, – 3.2 mil.
1: Well, I think I think we saw that in the World Cup, didn't we? Uh, Matilda's merch sold out after two weeks of the tournament or three weeks. So it was almost impossible to get a Matilda's
0: jersey. Apparently, Matilda's gear is out selling Socceroos gear uh, two to one. Now, I should point out that these numbers I've just been through, they don't actually include them, the uh, Women's World Cup because that, started, that was in July, which, uh, as you would know, Jono uh, falls in this financial year. I look forward to reporting on this financial year at some stage in the near future. Not too many surprises there, Riles, with any of those numbers? I think it is outstanding. It's a massive surprise
2: if you were trying to predict this, look, a year ago, two years ago. Uh, I think a whole lot of people, when you were giving your intro, then went, huh? The is did all right in the World Cup? I think you mean the Matildas, because Mm. they have just blown the country away. And and I think that, um, look, they set a target... Oh, I want to say 10 years ago to try to be paid the same as the men. Mm-hmm. And they they've just done it. And yep. a, there is nothing token about it. They earned it big time and the stuff you're talking about with the merch just is is just another proof point.
1: Good to see uh on those stats Roger that sponsorship and the merch revenue are both up. But it is a bit of a concern that broadcast revenue is down. So interesting that they've been able to have such a great year in circumstances where, obviously, the TV deals or the TV rights deal hasn't achieved potentially what they thought it would. But maybe there's upside in that.
0: Uh, There is a broadcast deal coming up, I think, the end of December 23, so the end of the month that we are are launching this podcast in. uh, I think that's when bids close. So, again, I suspect that uh, some stage in early 24 we'll be able to report and dissect on that new broadcast deal.
1: Good time to be renegotiating for Football Australia.
0: Would have thought so, would have thought so. Steve, you've alluded to the new CBA covering both men's and women's players for the next four years, Uh, and as you say, Steve, somewhat importantly, it saw equal pay more or less come into play. Uh, Everyone will be able to earn up to 200k, uh, which apparently is up from 110k for the ladies. Uh, So, big jump for the ladies, and uh, yeah, to your point, Steve, there's a quality of of base pay there on the face of it. Now, interestingly, before I let you jump, go on, Steve. Well, I don't know, maybe you're about to say the same thing. That They've changed
2: it. It's not a centralised contract yeah. structure anymore. Yeah.
0: That's huge. What, that what, is, is, yeah, what does oh, that mean? So, I mean, we hear a lot about centralised contracts and maybe because we just hear a lot about cricket. So maybe explain, Steve, what that means by moving away from that centralised model, which cricket has seemed to have gravitated towards.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's one of the, the reasons why cricket and really, you know, much more obviously rugby union have suffered and the grassroots have suffered because these bloody centralized contracts. So, the Matilda's, uh, or rather women's football, used to have three tiers of centralized contracts uh, 83 grand for tier one, 56 for tier two, 40, I can't see it in front of me, it was 40,000, I think, for tier three, which um, basically meant they had guaranteed payments. And then there was a uh, some bonuses after that. Now they're going to get 70% match fees and 30% of annual commercial payments. So basically, if you get picked, you'll get paid. The full potential. And all of a sudden, it's not going to be about having to pick the players who are on a centralized contract. It'll be about picking uh, the players who can win the tournament. Right. I see what you mean.
0: So unlike cricket where you've got 20-odd players. Players with a centralized contract, and that's essentially the, the the pool from which you are picking, irrespective of how well young Joe Blow does in the shield and scores four million runs. Yeah, got it. You've sort of predetermined your your, your the pool from w- the players from which you're selecting. That's a yeah. centralized contract. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. And the uh, gender equality uh, part of that model is pretty exciting as well, and well deserved. Um, I mean, out of all sports, I mean, we've talked about gender equality. Uh, with lots of different sports on this show, but football really striving ahead and deservedly so.
0: Yeah, and they're they're trumpeting that very fact. I think they recognise that. And look, to me, just sort of putting the um, here representing the harsh economic realist for a moment, th- their argument has always been. Football players, in this case, sports players, get paid a lot of money because a lot of people are watching. That's basically it. A lot of people are watching. There's lots of advertising else, made. So why should women earn more than men, or as much as men, when not as many people watch women's, you know, football as men's? And look, notwithstanding the success of the Matildas in the World Cup and a global level, that is, you know, that's a correct statement, right? So as I see it, this is this deal is sort of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this deal seems to me there's equality in base pay, men's and women's but then they get a share of the revenue that they generate. So with prize money in the men's game still being substantially more, there will still be a difference in overall take-home, especially in World Cup years. But as I say, it does, I think this deal does rather nicely deal with those sort of – hardcore. Well, it's, it's the, the, the hardcore economic lens on the situation, which, which I can understand the argument that they present, but there's also that moral social element too that I think this is finally addressed.
2: Yeah, look, don't don't forget that the Matildas drew an average of seven million viewers watching the semi-final of the World Cup. Socceries haven't come close to that, and mm. they they did it. Um, I think it's the largest audience since Cathy Freeman in two thousand. Yeah. It's yeah. massive, and it blew away even even God forbid. Don't let me just look around, make sure no one's you know listening. It blew away the, even the AFL Grand
0: Final ratings. Oh, just I thought you were going to say state of origin. Yeah, yeah there you go, an Origin what? exactly. <laughs> Those stalwarts, exactly. <laughs> no, it's amazing. And look, I mean, I, I saw too that it, that almost sixty thousand people attended the Women's Super League, the Arsenal Chelsea game in early December at the Emirates Stadium. Sixty thousand people turning up to a, a women's league it's game. That's so good, isn't it? It's it's unheard of. Too much sports, barely enough. It's fantastic. Now, are we done with that topic? Well, i have move on to the next, next bit of football sure. news. Speaking of too much sport never being enough, tell me what do you think of when you hear these names? Arpia Leichhardt, Sydney Olympic, Marconi Stallions, Wollongong Wolves, Wolves? South Melbourne South Melbourne, something or other? I what think of names?
1: really dodgy old cold stadiums, 1980s... Um you know football teams that are very much steeped in ethnic traditions. Mm. Where's Billy when you need him?
2: Uh, I yes, think folks- of fights. I think of the bad old days. I think of 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 a sport that struggled to get outside of its own little enclosed yeah.
0: um, audience. Very true. Very true. Well, folks, they're back. Yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> uh, so the A League has finally uh, finally has a second division of which those above-mentioned teams are a part. Yes, they've survived, uh, and I love it. I mean, as old as football itself, but as new as a baby lamb in Australia, I can't wait to see how the Aussie sporting public grasp and indeed grapple with promotion and relegation. Do you, do you reckon it'll work in this market, Steve, promotion and relegation? Because there's, we have nothing like it in, in the domestic leagues. Look, you know, just when football in Australia
2: has... Done at, it's had its most successful year ever. You've just shown it with the the Matildas and the Socceroos before that. Only football in fact I maybe rugby could do this, but only really football could shoot itself in the foot and then just <laughs> I said, it's an own score,
1: goal, Riles. Come on.
2: They, oh, it is a known goal. It's a known goal and then some I was gonna it's say they job. shot themselves in the foot, then they shot themselves in the arm, and I I dare say if this goes ahead they'll you know, shoot why? themselves in the head. It's What's your ridiculous. problem
0: with it? Why why do you think
2: that? You know the the reason why they there there were reasons why they changed it in the first place. This is not a viable model. I I get it if they want to play you know the FFA Cup with those clubs, Hmm. but wanting to bring them up into the A League is um, it's it's just a way to reduce the A League back to you know seven thousand seat stadiums and. Well, going back to the old days. Yeah, yeah
1: it's the old to, days. To be, to be fair, though, I mean, from what I've read, the promotion relegation thing is going to be a few years away. So I think they're going to try and get this the old NSL model or second division, second whatever division. you want to call mm. it, up and running, eight to twelve teams, and then maybe promotion relegation in four or five years' time. Once, Only maybe once it's oh. uh, once it's so supposedly sustainable.
0: But, yeah. Okay. And it's an interesting point you make there about the the, um, stadiums actually, Riles. I hadn't thought that through too much because obviously what you're saying is you run the risk of one of these teams getting through and their stadium is, I don't know, only holds 10,000 people and you've got to walk through a whole lot of houses to get, oh, hang on, like Luton (laughs) Town. So it does happen, you know, even in the big leagues. Um, You get these crummy stadiums that no one really wants to go to. I think this is good. I think it's, it's, I mean, as I say, I think it'll be really interesting to see whether the, the Aussie public are okay with promotion relegation, assuming it comes in Jono. I mean, sure. Because a lot, of these, a lot of the fans of these clubs, you know, are, are rusted on kind of fans. Well, the clubs still exist. Sorry, mate. And just one more thing. Because, you know, there is that – in a number of these clubs, as I understand it, there's still an ethnic basis for the people coming together, which is part of what Frank Lowy tried to get rid of back in the mid-2000s which we saw the creation of the A-League. But nonetheless, I don't know, there's a lot of passion in those clubs.
1: There is. Sometimes that passion goes a little over the top. Mm -hmm. It is tribal. They are rusted on. I mean, don't forget one of these clubs you mentioned, Sydney United 58, I think 30 or 40 of their fans were banned for doing Nazi salutes last year. You know, Mm -hmm. horrendous at the time, obviously. So, yes, it's tribal, but there potentially was a reason why we moved away from, you know, that ethnic background Mm. um, many, many years ago.
2: Let's let's not forget last year in the A-League, the last two teams were Western United and Perth Glory. Imagine Perth losing their one and only uh, A-League team so that Arpia Leichhardt
0: can get into the, the top division. Well, if Perth is good enough, they won't be relegated, ah. you see. It's very simple. And, look, I'm sure they'll have a lovely lovely big stadium there for their second... Because, I mean, that's the other... Just to cut myself off, that I think that's the other challenge. If you have a current A-League team drop down, do the fans stick? Because in most European football, I don't pretend we're a complete expert, but, but most fans stick to that club because that's this club they're brought up with and all that sort of stuff. It's it's you know still quite tribal. Whereas the A League's a little bit of an artifice. You know, I'm a Sydney FC fan because I'm you know in Sydney and Mate, all sort of stuff.
1: They, they could go from six thousand fans to four thousand <laughs> fans. Who knows?
0: <laughs> so you say who knows or who'll notice? <laughs>
2: It's a good point, Paul, that in, in the UK, you know, if you, if, you, um, if you hit the motorway on a Saturday to go from, you know, south to north, there are fans driving in every which way because there are 90 different teams playing that day, mm. you know, and, and you're right, they are rusted on, they love it. Uh, yeah. What we've got here isn't built for that and we shouldn't try to make it. Try to emulate, and remember, England's re- England and all those European countries. You can drive to all the different matches. They're that is not small. the case from Perth to you know Central Coast.
0: Yep, very true. You want to move on, John? I think some... so. <laughs> Richie. Yeah, we're done with that one. <laughs> yeah. Done with that one. It's, it's, we'll your transition
2: see. sort of lacks something today, Paul. I, yeah. It's really yeah sorry. Hard. No, no I was done, just. You know, I'm like still just digest,
0: digesting your words of wisdom, Steve. And I'm disappointingly. I, I couldn't find that I could argue directly with you because you were making some sense today. So. It's a rare event. Yeah. It really is. I was a bit shocked. <laughs> I was more shocked. Uh, financial fair play, John. is it worth yeah, uh, just, talking just about Yeah, just briefly,
1: Rochi I mean, it's it's off the field of play and it's it's huge news in the UK. Um, you know, Evident have been docked 10 points mm-hmm. as a result of breaches of the FFP regulations. Man City are facing 115 charges and that's the big one. I mean, this will take 12 to 18 months to play out. It's lawyers at 15 paces. They're denying it, um, throwing a heap of cash at it. But this could be relegation time for them, um, given the seriousness of those charges. And Chelsea are also facing an investigation Mm. because, lo and behold, their owner for a number of years was Roman Abramovich. And Mm. it's been suggested that uh, he might have paid for services at the club via some offshore companies, which is a bunch of those regulations. So, again, Chelsea, Man City... Will um, you know? Will that league be bold enough to make the big call when it no, comes to those clubs?
0: Too gutless, too much, too much at stake. Too many big people in the in the ears of other big people. Won't happen, unfortunately. I, don't I think, think you could be right, but yeah. we'll have to
1: wait eighteen months and probably you know five hundred million dollars in legal fees. Can,
2: can we just um, you know just marvel that it's Everton? That got docked points here and not Man City. I, you, you have pointed out the big thing is Man City, but what did Everton get for their money? You know, oh, with all of that financial fair play or misconduct, they've come mid-table again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it, it was Rangers, wasn't it, that uh, got sprung for something along those lines and got shuttled down, I think, two or three leagues? Could have been. It took them a few, a few years, years to ago, fight their yeah. way back. Would have had a significant commercial impact. You know, yes. I think Juventus
2: had it a few years back as well. It, 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 it does happen. They do Ooh. act
0: and they find their way back because they've got all that money in the first place. Good point. He's hoping that it comes, the just, justice comes to pass on Man City, whatever that justice might be. On to the shootout now where we cover a few more topics in slightly shorter fashion. And, uh, John, I can't believe you've worked golf uh, into the uh, the show again. Is it Ram- Rambo? Rumbo, rumbo, so rumbo. What's, what's Sylvester Stallone doing signing up to live golf? Uh, well, S-
1: Slice Stallone slash uh, Johnny Ram, aka Rumbo. Ah, yeah. So he's gone to live. This is um, massive news, Rochi. And mm. I mean, it's it's interesting not just because of the size of the contract, not just because it's another huge name from the PGA defecting to go to live. It's in the context of this overall deal. So we've talked about. On this show before, the fact that the PGA and Liv have allegedly struck this compromise deal, whereby Liv would agree to invest a whole bunch of money in the PGA. They'd effectively become a minority shareholder in the PGA. That agreement was reached to kind of reach a detente in the big war, um, the Gulf Wars. But the important thing was it's not binding. It's not enforceable. It's basically an agreement to agree, and they have to get a binding agreement (laughs) by 31 December. Now rumors have, swir- well, rumors have been swirling Well, rumors have been swelling for the past month or so that the PGA players are trying to wriggle their way out of it or the PGA are trying to get a better deal. So they've started to talk to other potential investors, such as Fenway Sports, the owner of Liverpool, um and various other PE funds, just to try and create some competitive tension mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So what do Liv do? They say, Well, bugger that. Mm. I'm just gonna throw a massive amount of cash. So rumors are it's uh, anywhere from three hundred to six hundred million dollars US. To one player, mm. it's just extraordinary. And this is a guy, current Masters champ, effectively carried, carried the European team on his back to win the Ryder Cup recently. Where's he from? Spain. Oh, okay, yep. Good mates with Sergio Garcia, who's also mm. a Live player. Good mates with Phil Mickelson. So, in that, in those circumstances, not a massive surprise that he's jumped ship. But he was very outspoken during the whole Live thing when it first um, came out, saying not a fan of the format. He's a traditionalist, but mm. lo and behold, money but talks. But I'm a fan of the cheque, yeah. Oh, well, yeah.
0: So what's – is that for a period of time? Like, is that cheque says, you know, you've got to be with us for 10 years or
1: – No one really knows what those contracts right. say. Uh, Cam, I've listened to a couple of things Cam Smith has had to say. It is, you know, paid over a number of years. So it's not all upfront. But, I mean, Cam himself, that was a $150 million deal. It's uh, generational wealth, as they say.
2: I, I think my question for John Rahm is – well, you, know, you talk about the big tech talking, but they'd have offered him 100 million and he said no, 200 million and he said no, and then somewhere between 300 and 600, he said yes. And I, 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 in my head, I'm still going, would I say no to the 200? But 300? <laughs> What's your you number? now you're to <laughs> something. I mean, I can go and buy a whole other country for that. I mean, um, <laughs> Argentina is literally up for sale right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's incredible.
1: It does. I mean, it's interesting because it does make it seem like a deal where we're going to see the live players and the PGA players playing against each other more regularly. It does seem that that's more remote than I had hoped it would be. I mean, when they announced the possibility, announced of, them the possibility of it? Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, well, the other is
2: way. I, Rum, I think means, Yeah, they're more likely to play now because, like you say, Live have just flexed their muscle and said, "You are not dealing with anyone else. You are not dealing with Fenway. You are not dealing." With Silver Lake, you're coming to us or we're going to just offer each of these top players a few hundred million dollars and you'll have no big players left. Mm.
1: Yeah, I hope you're right. And Rahm has the advantage, like Cam Smith, he's a recent major winner, so he can play in those um, four majors each year for the next five years. So that would have been another factor in him going across. So at least he can still compete in those majors. Can't the PGA
0: say no, you can't compete in those majors anymore?
1: No, because the, the individual majors set their own rules for that tournament, so mm-hmm. that's outside of the PGA, with the exception of the PGA, which is one of the majors, but it just falls into line with the other ones.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. We'll see.
2: <laughs> we'll see. Big, big golf fan it's there, Rich. you. Oh, well, this is
0: huge. Yeah. It's massive. Well, I'm sure it is in the golfing world. All, all power to you. Speaking of golf... Now we get plenty of direct feedback here from our listeners on uh, for and against, especially our golf fans. For some reason, maybe just what we were talking about then. And uh, John, I gather there was a bit of consternation at my own heartfelt warning in the last show that halving of, go- of the halving, I should say, of Moor Park Golf Course for the benefit of the public was only only the beginning.
1: Was some concern expressed at that got, sentiment, Rich? You yes. get a bit of feedback, yeah. so.
0: Um, Tell me, what, what did you both make of Sydney's Rosehill Racecourse getting ahead of the curve and making an unsolicited offer to the New South Wales government to turn that land... Racecourses are big, right? They're bigger than golf courses. Uh, and this land, for the benefit of those who don't know Sydney, it's on the outskirts of Parramatta, which is one of the major centres of Sydney. It's around the demographic... Sorry, the geographic, I beg your pardon, centre of Sydney, into a new suburb of 25,000 dwellings, complete with a school and, indeed, a metro stop. They reckon the Australian Turf Club... We'll get about five bill for this 140 Oof. acres. See, this is a progressive sport that understands the pressure that there is on land in this city, the housing crisis. They've avoided all the hoo-ha that you golf, your golf courses are going to come into, and they've gone and stumped up the government and said, look, here's, here we go.
1: So Have progressive this. that they just take the five billion and run.
0: Uh, just give up
2: on this sport, Paul. Just give up on this I expected more from you. For someone who ran the book at really? school in year 11 and 12. Oh, uh, Sorry, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Roach, you didn't know that. The um, that um You know, you really have turned your back on racing in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat.
0: No, no. I haven't turned my back. There's plenty. I think the point is well made. There are plenty of other courses around the world, let alone in Sydney. In Sydney, you've got Warwick Farm, Canterbury, and Ranwick. Actually, where did I write this down? um so Randwick is actually on a 99-year lease from the New South Wales government. So again, for the benefit of those who don't know Sydney, well, Randwick's in prime real estate. It's between the city and the airport. Let's put it that way. Uh, Rosehill, Canterbury, and Warwick Farm are all owned outright by the ATC, by the Australian Turf Club. Now I think Canterbury was expected to be the one to go because it's it's in the city, it's in the west. But um, look, my main concern with Rosehill going becoming a city is what do you do with the Golden Slipper? That's, you know, mm. over a century of tradition there. Yeah, Off to Warwick Farm because you were fine with it. <laughs> I think that might be right. All right, let's leave it there. But, you know, the warning stands. That's uh, It's coming, folks. The housing crisis is going to impact on a lot of sports. Uh, let's talk about rugby. Um, look, can we just get the Eddie Jones bit out of the way first? Will that man ever be able to set foot in this country again?
1: I mean, he gets booed by the English. Yeah. Uh, booed by the Europeans. We all saw what happened during the World Cup. He's now going to be booed every time he appears on screen in an Australian test against Japan. Looks like he's signed up uh, for the Japanese, lo and behold. Just another example of what a debacle of a year or or two years it's been for for Rugby Australia. Where do we we start?
0: You you mentioned the World Cup. Stop me if I told you the story in the last show, the the show I, after my little three-year study trip over there, but... I was at the Wallabies Fiji game and when Eddie Jones' face came up on the screen there was booing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was there reported was massively back here. And I don't think sure.
0: I think that, I'm not sure it's a lot of Aussie fans then. I think
1: it was more the English. So that, there's plenty yeah. of Poms there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe some knowledgeable French as well. But yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, speaking of World Cup, there's a nice little bit of ham fistedness here from the uh, from Rugby Australia who had arranged a warm-up game with France before the World Cup. Steve, you wanted to chuck something in before I moved on to there?
2: I just wanted to say I won't boo Eddie Jones. I think Eddie oh. Jones did a service to Australian rugby. I think he got rid of the old and tried to bring in the new. He just went a little too hard, too quick, and uh, and didn't get it. He's paid the price for performances, but I, I personally think that he had the guts to try something that... Uh,
0: you know, I don't. Did not. I don't mind that approach. I mean, I was I had my doubts at the time, and so I suppose I still do it in hindsight. But I don't mind that approach if you stick around and see it out, because there's a lot of consternation when he cut the old wood out of the the team that he took to France, and you're sort of going, "Well, hang on a tick, I, I don't recognise anyone on the side anymore." Um, but half jokes aside. Okay, so you're going with a young group, and you're going to see them through probably till the next World Cup. You know, I think was, was it was his contract. Was, yeah, three or four yeah, years, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, next World Cup for sure. So that's Home fine World if you take that approach, Stevo. But stick around and see it out. I mean, that's that's the poor thing. It's sure he had a ba- the, the Wallabies had a bad performance at the World Cup, but was anyone expecting any better? Uh, he performed to par. The team performed to par.
2: Well, exactly. So I, I don't think he left. I think he got run out of town. You know, mm. I, I think he'd have st- he'd stayed and hung around. No, if, if.
1: He was interviewing with Japan, like so it was. the story it goes. Was, it was a betrayal by Eddie, and I'll boo him.
0: Mm. Yep. Uh, look, uh, anyway, so as I was saying, a bit of like, nice little bit of ham fistedness from Rugby Australia, who'd arranged a warm up game with France before the World Cup. Is anyone doing this for a red card, yellow card? No. No. Okay, not. Cool, cool, cool. So let me just throw to uh, one of the nine media publications who um, put this in in ways I can't better. So McLennan, then, as obviously head of Rugby Australia, met with the French rugby president Bernard Laporte in 2021 to talk about playing a World Cup warm-up match between Australia and France. It was going to be in Paris. Now, Laporte assured McLennan that the FFR, the French Rugby uh, Union mob, would pay Rugby Australia a match fee of approximately 1.7 million... I think that's Aussie dollars. Uh, for the game, however, it was only a handshake agreement, and was not to committed not committed to paper in a formal contract. John, now look, I did pass contracts once mm. upon a time, and my understanding that a verbal contract is still a contract.
1: It is still a contract. Uh, the terms can be a little uncertain. Uh-huh. It does get a bit difficult to enforce. So, look, Australia could have a crack at it. McLennan could evi- give evidence. Um, Laporte, I think, is in jail at the moment. So <laughs> that's the beautiful twist. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if he can,
0: if he's the most reliable of witnesses. Actually, look, he's not in jail. So right. yeah, in Jan 23, after he was convicted of corruption and illegally acquiring I, assets. So I'm he sorry, he's not in jail. Suspended, it's a, suspended yeah, prison convicted. sentence. Yeah, I oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. And so the new president Florian Grill, uh, appointed mid 23, uh, said something along the lines of, "What did he say? That he pointed out there was an oral agreement." On the strength of the words of the Australian leaders, we have discovered an oral agreement for a sum of the order of one million euros. The Australian Federation wrote to us to collect this sum, uh, an agreement which would therefore have been given uh, at the time of the old governance. Obviously, it has not been budgeted for.
1: I mean, if, Flora I don't want to get all legal on you here, Richie, but, you know, if he said there was an oral agreement, then there's an agreement. Hopefully, he said there's an alleged oral Ah. agreement. Because if he'd said that, it, it's enforceable and we could rely on that. But anyway, we're not getting the money back. And it's another example of ham-fistedness, as you said, by Hamish McLennan.
0: I think it's a clawback in disguise. I think the French are still a bit pissed off at us pulling the rug under the subs deal.
1: Are oh, you? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, there yeah. be a
0: lot more of this. Yeah. That's only one million. I don't know how many billion we we robbed them of. But getting ScoMo a, back. There's a few more to come for mine. Yeah. Finally on rugby, unable to secure a private equity deal. You might recall uh, that Rugby Australia had uh, talks with, uh, I think it was Silver Lake, if not more, US PE firms. Uh, Rugby Australia has opted for a line of credit. So we've gone and got a loan. Uh, Head officer's expectations of what the game here was worth clearly did not align with what the market thought. And so, as I say, rugby's now got a nice little line of credit, about 80 mil across the next five years. And ironically... Given the firm's name, it's with Pacific Equity, my emphasis, Pacific Equity Partners, who've decided not to take equity but have a loan. Go nuts. What are you going to do with uh, 80 mil, uh, Jono, Riley, any any thoughts?
1: Well, I think they're going to pay off um, some of the bad debts from the World Cup, so I think we overspent pretty heavily, already overspent. So, yeah, about mm. five or ten will be for that. Um, otherwise, some decent players would be good.
0: Roz, what would you do with uh, 80 mil for rugby? I'd, I'd put
2: some of it into hosting the the Lions and the World Cup over the next four years, and the rest to go to
0: grassroots. Yeah, you're more or less correct. We plan to invest in the critical areas needed to grow the game. We've identified high performance integration, women, women's women's rugby, community, and pathways as critical areas to focus on. Pathways. I what, reckon. What ten- that means? Sorry. I've, yeah.
2: What that means is they're going to. Go and spend a ridiculous amount of money on some winger from Rugby League and pretend it's going to change things anyway.
1: I was going to say $10 million to Nathan Cleary wouldn't go astray as well if you really want to get a decent player.
0: <laughs> Isn't he too old? No, he'd be
1: good. Okay.
0: We'd take him. All right, so good luck, Rugby. Uh, hope you spend that $80 million wisely. And finally, on the shootout, uh, quickly the NRL—they're looking for an 18th team. Don't know if you guys really care too much about who becomes the 18th team. Have you looked into this? Wait, I hear PNG is on the shortlist. PNG apparently is firmed in the market, courtesy of some Australian government money. So Albanese is thrown 60 million at the uh, per annum for the next 10 years. It's a lot of soft dollar, you know, um, geopolitical influencing there. I think there's a uh, concern about the Chinese coming. Coming down uh, south and into the Pacific and causing a bit too much undue influence. The bears, the whoever will have us, formerly North Sydney bears, um, are in there as well. Now, they actually lost uh, some money from the state government. New South Wales state government changed, I don't know, is it 12 months ago now? Maybe not even that. Um, So they lost a government grant. So they're coming uh, from behind a bit. Brisbane Tigers. Oh, yeah. Tigers. Just what we need, another Brisbane team. And we've already got Tigers, don't we? Mm. Uh, At Perth and New Zealand. Well, yeah, what happened to them? Why not, why not, Steve? Isn't it Balmain Tigers? What happened to them? I oh, no, remember. they are.
2: They're the West Tigers, aren't they? Yeah. We don't have magpies anymore. That's yeah? right. right too. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. they
1: just keep coming last and sacking their board and all oh, that. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, that's a whole other topic that we probably don't have time to get into, the mass sacking of the, the Tigers board. But, uh, Steve-O, do you care who gets in as the 18th team? Do you have any insights, thoughts?
2: Look, I, 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 I'd like to see them split up St. George and Illawarra and, uh, wow. you know, give 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 the gong its own team back and, and give St George its its own, uh, the Dragons, their history. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't just want bring, bring Newtown
1: back, it. bring bring back the Bears. <laughs> no, let's take it back to 1908. <laughs>
0: 1980, I think, is what, what Rolls was aiming for. Living in the 80s. I think PNG's got to be a firm favourite. The uh, the country is nuts for rugby league. I'll never forget doing the Kokoda Trail oh, 15 years ago or something, and... Uh, even those little thatched huts out in the middle of nowhere, they've all got rugby league posters on the inside of them. It's, uh, it's, it is a religion over there.
2: Oh, I know, I know, I know.
0: Yes, Steve. Vegas. Vegas, baby. As, as the 18th team. Yeah. Yes, Vegas. Yeah. Wow. The Vegas Raptors. The Vegas Raptors. I don't know. We did kind of talk about the, that, the NRL sojourn into Vegas a couple of shows ago, didn't we? And I imagine we will talk about it again when they go there in March. Alright, on to red card, yellow card, our favourite part of the program, where, as I said at the beginning of the show, we poke fun at sporting people who've done something silly off the field of play. And we award a yellow card or a red card, depending on how silly and severe what went on is. Stephen Riley's start us off. I've got the best one ever. We'll be the judge of that. Nick Kyrgios. Mm. Need I say more? Decided not to play in the Aussie Open? Is that it?
2: (laughs) No, he decided that he was going to open up his own site on OnlyFans. Oh, wow. Paul, you might not be aware of of OnlyFans. I know I'm not. I had to look it up. But um, OnlyFans Liar,
0: liar. I'm loosely (laughs) aware of the concept.
2: (laughs) Let's just say OnlyFans is best known for uh, X-rated influences. Mm. And uh, and to this, Nick said... uh, He'll be showing off uh, his gaming. He'll be showing oh. his tattoos. Wow. And his intimate side.
0: Simon knows what I mean. Wow. Radio. So that sounds like a red card in waiting. What? Um, Just a red card. You won't prove. It's <laughs> a red card. It's a red card.
1: Mine's a little bit more straightforward, although I have gone into the backwaters of Turkish football <laughs> this week. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is was what a, red card, yellow card was, there was made for
1: there was a, a, a Have big fun game, pronouncing the names. A big game recently This is actually going to be a real challenge Okay, there was a big game in the Turkish Super League Not league, league mm-hmm. Between Ankara Gucu Yeah Ankara Gucu and Keikur Rizespor. So anyway, uh, between those teams The referee, it was 1-0 to one of them <laughs> um, the referee gave a last minute pe- penalty to Kaikor Ryserspor, which they converted to make it a one all draw. And mm. it was apparently, a bit of a local derby, highly controversial penalty. But tensions, so be it. tensions were. Full time was blown, um, people spill onto the pitch. So, this is on field, but end of the game. So, I think it still qualifies. So, yeah. the president of the Ankagarachu club, Mr. Farouk Koka, raced onto the pitch and punched the referee oh. flush in the head. It was actually pretty disturbing scenes. The referee fell to the ground. They were kicking him in the head. He got up, had an immediately obvious black eye, fractured jaw, all of the above. Anyway, after the game, this El Presidente character who'd committed the uh, egregious act tried to defend his actions, and his quote was, my aim was to react verbally to the referee and to spit in his
0: face. Oh, okay, well, that's so right, he wasn't then.
1: intending to punch no. him. He just wanted to spit in his face. We all make that mistake. The slap I gave did not cause a fracture. After the slap I gave, the referee stood for about five to ten seconds, then threw himself on the ground. They immediately removed me from the scene because of my heart disease. Other than that, I am not aware of any incident that took place. Well, buddy, I've seen the TV footage of this, and it suggests otherwise, and the police would be suggesting otherwise as well, because you've been arrested and you're currently in incarceration.
0: You're saying the ref dived. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. They're dived. Oh, that's brilliant. That's a lot better than Riles' one,
1: Johnny. Well done.
0: Yeah, so is that a that's probably red card for it's El the ultimate, ultimate red card, yeah. That is brilliant. I love the attempted denials. Yeah. Football and he's is just blaming
1: his heart disease.
0: That's that's how it happened. That took me away from my heart disease. That's fantastic. Mm. Uh look for mine, I just can't go past Glenn Maxwell. After all that went on after it, including of course that innings versus Afghanistan. How can you not possibly include Glenn Maxwell here falling off the back of a golf cart after dark during the World Cup and suffering a concussion causing him to miss the England game in this uh, you know, th- th- this this show's top three stuff-ups. That's got to be included. I know it's happened a little while ago now, and perhaps this is an excuse to say, wow, Aussies won the World Cup. How good are we? How I, don't, good are we? I don't think we've met since we won we the World not, Cup. Yeah. We brilliant, have not, yeah. We have not, and we won it with a concussion. From um, so, the of yeah. and so this is how cricket.com.au reported it, right? So you've all read the more salacious versions. Here's the official organ of cricket in this country. Glenn Maxwell suffered a second freak injury in less than 12 months. Now, the other one, just as a pause, was a, I think it was a broken leg at a birthday party. Yep. It was yeah. also dark, and it was also sort of a bit of, you know... Horseplay, revel- tackling someone. You, much yeah. better. Uh, second freak injury in less than 12, after it was revealed that Maxwell was standing on the back of a moving golf cart in the dark after a round of golf at Kalahar Blues and Greens Golf Club in Ahmedabad when he lost his grip and fell off, suffering a concussion and some facial bruising. No one else was hurt in the incident. Australian players and coaches, I'm still quoting from the article, had been blowing off steam during a week-long break after their win over New Zealand in Dharamsala.
1: There you go. Golf golf carts can cause injuries, golf can be quite dangerous. Dangerous game, yeah. exactly. Wasn't
0: yeah. there an Aussie player cut his finger on a broken six-iron or something, a tournament or something? You go, there was. Know, I think it was Josh Inglis. I think you're yes. right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Josh Inglis. Anyway, uh, so Glenn Maxwell, look, I mean, it's it's only yellow, but um, there was such a great little stuff up there. You're in the middle of the World Cup and you fall off the back of a golf cart. In the dark, after what was the wording? After the players and coaches had been blowing off steam, mm, Canary ahead. Yellow, my friend Canary, Canary Yellow, yellow. <laughs> Canary oh, good one, Riles. On that note, what a high to leave on, Stephen Riley. Goodbye. Thank you for your contribution to another show. See you, Paul. See Simon. What's he worth on OnlyFans? Simon Johnson. I don't think so. Simon Johnson. Fairly well. Adios, Reggie. It's goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Thanks once again for joining us on For and Against. Don't forget, get us on the socials. Twitter at 4 and Against. Uh, Instagram for dot and dot against. But until we do it all again in a couple of weeks' time after Christmas, actually, have a happy Christmas, everyone. It's goodbye for now.